Amen. I'm supposed to be giddy. <laughs> I echo the words that Bill said about Steve. And we miss Steve. And he, he was one of the greatest pastors I've ever met. And he took me through a hard time through praying with me, through meeting with me, encouraging. He taught me how to sell, and he was better at it than I was, but at least I learned a few things from him, and he was a good man. And now we have that memorial down by the creek with the, with the cross, and it says, you know, it has his name, but it says these words, this word, abide. And that was Steve. Always encouraging us to abide. Do you like that praise team today? That's the downtown Saturday night. That's one of the praise teams there. So you go on down, you can hear them and be blessed. Most of those are involved in my youth ministry at one time. I want to sing a lot, Carrie. She was in my youth group, but she wasn't just in my youth group. She was a part of our family, wasn't she? And she was smart enough to marry a man named Josh from Oblong, Iowa. <laughs> and they're doing some really, really good things there. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to um, Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Proverbs 6, and hold that in readiness. You know, I, I, I think we've been going through Proverbs now for about two, three months, and really, those are short verses really intended for that individual to help them become wise. And you can be wise or you can be foolish. And I, hopefully you'll choose the wise way and you'll follow the scriptures. And they've taught us everything from how to handle your money to how to handle your emotions. And to do it in, a, in such a way that it glorifies God. Um, like I said last week, uh, these scriptures are pithy, terse, and axiomatic. In, in other words, these are short and truthful ways to live our lives. And today we're going to look at the things God hates. So as I read your name, please stand up. <laughs> what? And I'm the only one standing, so I don't know. Two weeks, I've used that same joke. We'll go for three then. But the things God hates is never the individual. It's the action and behavior. The truth is, if you love the Lord, you're going to want to do the things that bring him pleasure and avoid the things that he hates. The same as if you loved any individual, you're going to try and please them, right? With me? And I know you want to please me. If, for instance, you're going to feed me, I want you to feed, the things, feed me the things I want, not the things I hate. For instance, if you want to get on my good side, you feed me cheeseburgers. I'll eat cheeseburgers all day long. I go in a restaurant, and somebody says, you can order anything you want. 
And if you haven't had the pleasure of doing that for me, this is a good week. But he says, you can order anything you want. Steak, you know, I always order a cheeseburger because I like cheeseburgers. So put that in the back of your mind for later. But if you feed me liver, we got a problem. You know, I hate liver. I, I do. It, it just sends me into a place I don't want to be. And don't tell me. I know some lady's going to come up and say, don't tell me I got a recipe that you won't even taste like liver. I will, and I don't want it, okay? <laughs> you know, I was at camp one year, and they did fool me on this one. I was at camp, and I told the group that I hated liver. I don't know, let's close in prayer with that. But I just always talked, I just always have hated liver. And it was pizza night the next night, I remember that. And I was the dean of the camp. I was the big cheese, the big Velveeta. I ran the thing. And so what they did is they made me a special pizza. Now, I had forgotten I said that, but they hadn't forgotten. So on this pizza, there's cheese and mozzarella and the sliced up meat and I ate it and they were laughing the whole time I go what is so funny that was liver on that so I quit I'm never going to work with those people another way another thing that I hate that maybe you could identify with but most likely you won't you'll go what's the big deal I hate macaroni and cheese Oh, I know, I hear you're gasping because it's like, how can anybody hate mac and cheese? I do. I don't know if it's the texture. I don't know if it's the fact that my mom stood above me because she didn't make that craft good stuff. She made it by herself, you know, on her own. And I'm not saying my mom's a bad cook. But she was. <laughs> anyway, I didn't like it. It was all dried out and stuff. And I'd refuse to eat it, and we'd get in a big brouhaha, and, you know, and I'd say, I'm not eating this, and she'd say, you're eating this, and she'd stand above me with this big pan of mac and cheese, and she would keep dumping it on my plate and say, you're not leaving this table till this whole thing is gone. Traumatized me. But you're going to ask me. I know at the end you're going to ask me. You're going to say, what is your worst food? Is it liver or mac and cheese? I got to say, the thing I hate the most is mac and cheese because the dog eats the liver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would say, oh, this is good, Mom, and, you know, put it underneath the thing. But also with movies, I got certain things. You know, I really love movies, and I love going to the movies. I like them on TV. I just like movies, and I would uh, I'd be switching around the channels at night and like I always do, right, you know? And I come across certain movies, and I got to stop, and I got to watch them. You know, like The Green Mile. I, I've got to watch that again. I know what's going to happen, you know? I know how it's going to end, but I got to watch it. Same with Saving Private Ryan. That's a great movie. Um, what are some of the others I like? What's that? I don't know. Could be. But... Dumb and Dumber, that's another one I'll always stop on. I thought, I thought it was a real shame the year in youth ministry when I figured out some of my students had never seen Dumb and Dumber. And they go, what is that? And I said, let's have a moment of prayer. This is bad news. But 
I do, I love those movies, but there's a movie I hate. I hate it. I went to the movies to watch it. I went to the theater. I went to the Elks Theater, sat up in the, in the chairs, had my popcorn and pop, and my stomach hurt before this thing was over. I hated it that bad. And you girls are going to go, well, that's a good movie. And the guys are going to go, right on, Bob. But the thing, the movie that I hated the most was called Mamma Mia. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if it's the ABBA songs or if it was just bad acting. I, I don't know, but I really dislike that movie, okay? So don't ask me to watch that movie. But I think that's a pretty short list of the things I hate, and God has a short list. God has things that he really hates. As a matter of fact, it says they're detestable to him. So let's read it. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, and a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And I want to look at each of these very, you know, individually. But first, let's pray to God that he'll be with this message. Mighty God and Father, thank you so much for just this time that we can talk about sometimes some difficult things. Sometimes they're no big deal to people. But to me, I don't want to be do anything that you hate. And I know these people don't either. So guide my words. Help me to, to share this, these thoughts and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. You know, I say it's kind of hard for some of this stuff's going to hit close to home. But I want to remind you, this isn't about condemnation. This is about information. This is about knowing what God hates. And in the sense, he loves you in every sense. So as we look at this, and if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, just take it as that. It's a conviction, not a you go on. I don't want you. He always wants us, always loves us, okay? So the first one is haughty eyes. And what does that mean? I know my wife has hot eyes, but that's not haughty eyes, okay? Haughty eyes is, by Webster's definition, is blatantly and disdainfully proud. The word also used in the Bible in the evil sense of arrogant, disdainful, and setting oneself above others. It is often set in contrast to being humble. And I think, you know, the great way of being humble for your information is to get old. Okay? I got old. I don't know where, but I was at a youth conference, and if you want to feel old, that's the place to feel old because they're all young, young guys, and they're, they're very athletic. And we were going to do, at the end of the night, we are going to do a pickup game of basketball. And I stood up there because being the natural athlete that I am, so funny, being the natural athlete that I am, I said, well, yeah, I want to play some basketball. And they did something that I don't think they should do to kids or old men. They chose sides by putting captains, and the captains chose who was going to be on the team. You, You hear what I'm saying? 
And so I'm sitting there going, twirling the basketball on my, on my finger, you know, doing everything. And the first guy went and he chose this stud from whoever, you know, blue, you know, young guy. And then they went to this other young guy. And I said, okay, I'm second round. It's okay. And they chose a couple other people. Third round, you know, and they chose a couple other people. And, you know, I never did get chose. I was like invisible there and nobody wanted the old man. So I took my basketball. I didn't have one. I just took theirs. You know, I took, I, I went home and cried, you know, because I was humbled, man. And I don't, I, I think those hum, humility kind of puts reality in it. But I think in a real sense that humility is a really a way of life that we need to know. We need to live. Because God has given us everything, amen? And when we start taking the credit for doing well or for uh, accomplishments that we made, and I know that even with the gift, I know how hard you guys have worked, some of you, to get where you're at. That's notwithstanding, every gift that you have, every talent you owned, everything you possess even the very breath that you just took is a gift from him and I think we need to live that way now if there's any bragging it's in the Lord because I have conquered some sins where's the cheers <laughs> I really have I, you know, I don't know but I could get all full of myself then and go well I don't at least I don't do that or at least I don't do that I got my own stuff but man you got problems you know I, I just look at that and I think why if it is about me why do I have such trouble with other sins I need the Lord and even in that bragging that I've conquered one of these sins my bragging is in the Lord and that's where it needs to be okay because I could do nothing apart from God alright um, I shouldn't walk away from my notes because then I forget where I'm at I think pride can leave us unthankful you know I think uh, that's one of the things I really like about Thanksgiving besides football and family being together I don't like Christmas that much because of the expectations. But I love Thanksgiving because, you know, we used to, I don't know if we did it last year, but we would stop and say one thing that we're really thankful for. Okay? And I think that's important. I think in the scriptures it teach how do you not be worried? How do you, you know, how do you calm these fears? It's really, there's a secret in it. It's called Thanksgiving. Thanking the Lord for what you have and who you are and everything okay everything and I know you guys have worked hard but who gave you the ability to work hard it's the Lord okay um, pride declares its independence from God and that is one of the most dangerous things. Even from a little kid, when a kid comes up to you, and my boys were the most independent kids in the world, I think. They, they would come up, and it was time to go. They were just little munchers, and 
I'd say, hey, go, let's, let's go, get your shoes, go, go. They get their shoes and they go to tie their shoes and I don't have days to wait. You know, we gotta get going. So I said, let me help you. I'll reach over to help them. They'll pull away and go, I can do it myself. And they do, the bunny goes over the tree. You know, they do that whole thing and you're just going crazy because they want to be independent, okay? Now the days of tying shoes are over. They're... 35 and the 6 and that was last year so <laughs> we, what we want is we want into, we went total dependence upon our God right? Now when I think about what doesn't God like about it, about being haughty, about being proud is that you are declaring just like they did in the Old Testament the very first sin, you're declaring I don't need you to God And you know what's funny about God? He gave them their independence. He says, okay, here you go. And that's what we kind of inherited, and it's a mess, isn't it? So let's try not to be proud. Remember that uh, a humble heart goes a long way. Well, I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. In Proverbs 8, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. But, the fan, but humility goes before honor. Number two, a lying tongue. God is truth. I don't believe he sometimes does truth. I don't believe he sometimes speaks truth. I don't think there's truth apart from him. He is truth. Amen? John 14, 6, God reminds us of this fact when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but, my, but by me. Truth is his nature. Truth set people free. You follow the teaching of Christ, and the truth shall definitely, as he says in his word, will set you free. Now, Satan, our enemy, on the other hand, is all about deception and lies. It says in John eight forty four, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out the father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I find this really interesting that, why is it that, our first inclination, like when we're in trouble, is to lie. Why is it? Now, I don't lie after I think about it, but my first inclination is to protect myself and to do all this. But come on, man. Lying? It's not my first way. It shouldn't be my first thought. I believe God hates a lying tongue because it keeps people in bondage. When in fact, God says you are free, not just because he has an agenda, but freedom for freedom's sake. Okay? Number two. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. I believe that all life is sacred and precious to God. You might question me when it comes to that because with my car, I have done a lot of damage to animals. I have shed a lot of innocent blood. Now hunting, not so much. I'm more of that shoot-and-release type of hunter. I can't hit the broadside of a barn if I was in the barn. But 
you know, with my car, I've done considerable damage. And I tried to last night think of what I've killed in my car. And here's a short list. Three deer, one fox, one porcupine, countless rabbits and small critters, a pheasant, two ducks. I don't really know how many small birds. One pigeon, and that pigeon hit my windshield so square and so perfectly, it left a halo, you know, an outline of that bird. It was pretty cool looking. And then... I also hit a raccoon that did almost $4,000 damage to my car. That's a Nebraska raccoon, and it was fat, and it was big. (laughs) Now, all these animals may be innocent, but the reality of it, God wasn't talking about them. He's talking about human life. Okay? I can't think of a better example than last week in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the senseless taking of 58 innocent lives. And they'll spend a lot of time looking for a reason. And in the end, nothing's going to make sense. It doesn't make sense. God loves us. Why would he do such a thing? What happened? Now, the first murder, you might say, is Cain and Abel, but I'm going to just kind of make a suggestion to you that I believe the first murder was earlier when Satan, in the form of a serpent, tempted Adam and Eve to sin. With that sin, they died. Okay? Now I feel very compelled to talk to you briefly on a subject that I know is hard, is a hard subject for many people. And that is abortion. Believing that life begins at conception when God says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I believe that all life is precious to God, but I also know the realities of it, the panic that comes from an unwanted pregnancy. And you're panicked sometimes, and you don't know where to turn, and you think this might be an answer, but I got to tell you, it's no answer. I know that some are pressured into it by a boyfriend or husband or others. And I've even seen it where a mom comes along and is pressuring pressuring her daughter into getting an abortion, even forcing her into a car. I want you also to know that if you had an abortion, that there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no longer any condemnation. I believe that God wants to heal you, to embrace you. I'm going to implore you to talk to someone. You can talk to me. I'll line you up with one of the girls at church, but you need to talk to somebody. Why live with this guilt and shame any longer, right? And we'll love you through it. And do I need to tell you about abortion and statistics? No, I don't. But I do need to think, I really need to tell you that God loves you. 
Number four, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Who does this best? Satan. He wants to destroy you with lies and deception. He lays traps for you. Ephesians gives us that picture in the sixth chapter when he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you get that? Put on the full armor of God, and he goes on to say what it is, but he can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I think a scheme, especially in this sense, is a well-calculated attack on you. Okay? I see, in a sense, Satan sitting around a war room with you at the middle of that, with all his minions, figuring out this is the best way to get to this person. This is the best, and let's go get him. Schemes. What does God want to do? He wants to protect you, to keep you safe, to keep all evil at bay. And a lot of things you're going through, whether you know it or not, really is a spiritual battle. And you need Jesus to get you through that. Number five, feet that rush into evil. God... Bible says that God hates feet that are swift to running to mischief. To run to mischief is to be eager to put something over on someone, to get by with something, to get something by deceit or trickery. Proverbs 4.16, for they, cannot, for they cannot sleep until they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep until, unless they make someone stumble. Our feet need to be ready to rush in to help others. Our feet need to be rushed into serving God. Amen? And this evil thing, this mischief, we can all find ourselves in that position. We want our feet to be pure, to rush into evil. I was at camp one year, and I went to take a nap. That's the greatest thing they ever invented on a middle school camp. And I laid down, and I fell asleep. That's unusual, but I fell fast asleep. And when I woke up, I had five guys around my feet taking pictures. Apparently, they'd never seen old men's feet or before. And I had some fungus thing going, and I go... Can this be anything good come out of this? I want my feet to rush into a blessing. To not be so quick to heed this temptation I'm at and just give it to God. Where are your feet taking you? Okay? And then, number six, a false witness that pours out lies a false witness that pours out a lie. The lying tongue, which we earlier went over, is a general warning. But here in verse 19, God gets specific. He warns us here against specifically lying about another person. The ninth commandment strictly forbids such a thing. And Exodus 20:16 says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That was one approach Jesus' religious leaders used Jewish religious leader used in their efforts to condemn Jesus. 
Matthew 26, 59 says, the chief priests and the elders, all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Now, when I think about this, I got to go to Facebook, social media, your iPad, your, your phone, your Twitter account. I want you to use that for good, that, hey, you can, you can leave people better than when you found them. But many people use that as a bully thing. They'll make their point by destroying the other person. And if you're doing those things, you need to quit it. You need to quit it because what we need to do is be able to go, if you've got a problem with somebody, go to them face-to-face, right? Don't lie. Don't spread rumors. Don't do any of that stuff because God hates those things. Even if the information you're writing about is as a hint of truth, to it we are to lift one another in, to it we are to lift one another up in love. If you have something against your brother, you should talk to them. Never talk about them. Okay? Seven, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And I want community, make no mistake out of it, we are a community here at Rimrock. Are you stirring up trouble? I used to tell my youth group that alcohol or drugs won't destroy our group. We would deal with those issues. That misbehaving won't destroy us. But someone with a divisive heart could. Someone who sows the seeds of division can strike a blow, a fatal blow to our community. People who stir up dissension for their personal gain can bring down a church. Those who go home and roast the preacher, you're not going to do that, are you? Don't trust or like the decisions made by the eldership. Don't like something in our church, and you go to the next person and say, this I do not like. And you're trying to get them on your side. And those people got to get other people on their side. And it could bring a church, even as strong as Rimrock, down. Shouldn't happen. Okay? We want to use our mouth to pour out blessings to people, to pour out good things, to pour out whatever you feel is good and noble. It says the greedy person stirs up dissension, but the one who trusts in the Lord will prosper. And that's Proverbs 28. Now in conclusion here, we got the things that God hates. We got the haughty eyes. And the antidote for that is to be humble and give God all these things. All the things in your life. We don't need to be proud. A lying tongue. tongue. God is, God is truth. Be truthful, guys. Don't lie. Don't lie, guys. Be truthful. Those who shed innocent blood, just remember, to God, all life is precious. Protect it. A heart that devises evil, wicked schemes, being a blessing to others, Okay, don't 
work up some plan to hurt anybody, but plan to bless them. Feet that rush into evil. Look for the good in others. Look for the good in what they do. And if you're looking, you'll find it. And those who stir up conflict in the community, pray for your church and pray for your elders and pray for each one of you. Because the fact is, the elders love the church and you are the church. I love the church. I don't think of the church as this building. I think the church is your hearts. And we need to be praying for those and blessing those. And it's kind of wearisome. I've been in that situation where nothing good is ever said about the church. I think we can do better than this. Okay? So stand with me. And as I pray, our praise team... I think was coming up. <laughs> so let, let's pray. Mighty God and Father, thank you so much for your goodness and thanks for showing us how to live and to live wisely. And God, you just showed us seven things we need to avoid and we can do these. We can, we can be these people. But God, you've also given us warnings so that we want to heed and we also want to be a blessing to those around us. So help us. Help us to be the people, your people. We pray in your precious name. Amen.